coming up on Crossing the Lane Lines. Throughout my coaching career, um, there has been issues where I probably could have advanced a lot further, but unfortunately, there were people that would keep me from advancing, right? So, like, if there was a job opening for a national team spot to be a coach, I was told that I have to apply. And there was no application process. Over its history, the sport of competitive swimming has not been a bastion of inclusiveness for black folk. And if we're talking about synchronized swimming, it's even less so. But one woman is making a tremendous difference in how the sport is seen and who is being seen in it. Today, we'll speak to Ashley Johnson, an elite-level synchronized swim coach, about how she is making the sport more inclusive not only for young black women, but also welcoming for other marginalized groups. Stay tuned. In San Francisco, this is Najee Lee, and you're listening to Crossing the Lane Lines. I'm willing to bet that most listeners of this podcast wouldn't be able to name me one member of the U.S. Artistic Swim Team, previously called Synchronized Swimming. Furthermore, I'm willing to give odds that you all can't name someone on the U.S. national team that's black. Oh, don't feel embarrassed about all this. Neither can I. Like many other industries, the world of aquatics, be it sport, entertainment, or even the general lessons of learning how to swim, is still dominated by white folk. Tie that in with artistic swimming at the Olympic Games, which athletes have to go through a qualification process to compete at, and how many of them are people of color. Watch a film with a synchronized swimming or a water ballet scene in it, and how many feature black performers. But you see, here's the thing. There are a number of young black women that have broken down this barrier and are continuing to do so with the help of our guest today. Ashley Johnson is the head coach of the artistic swim team, the Aquacades, since 2008. Her accomplishments of her club are endless, including seven-time South Zone champions and 2001 age group national and U.S. Open champions. She has placed 10 young women of color on either the junior or senior national teams and is also the vice president of USA's Artistic Swimming Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Board. Coach Ashley Johnson, welcome to Crossing the Lane Lines. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. Coach Johnson, take us back. First of all, when did you begin to swim? And secondly, when did you start to show an interest in artistic swimming? So um, how I got into swimming was, (laughs) it's funny, my mom, you know, she has such a big fear of, of her child drowning. I'm an only child. And she had a big fear and it wasn't just for me. Um, my cousins used to live with us. So she made us all go to swimming and we, we literally learned how to swim in a predominantly black area by, uh, an instructor who was an older man who was black and my whole family can swim. And then, you know, my mom's like, fine, you know how to swim. Where are you going to go from here? And 
I was in Girl Scouts, and I was invited to watch the local synchronized swimming team in South Florida, in uh, Palm Beach County, Florida. And that was the first time I saw synchronized swimming, which we now call artistic swimming. And I, I apologize. I might say synchronized swimming a few times on this call because <laughs> I just haven't adapted the new name yet, but I will get there. But um, I saw it and I said, I looked at my mom and I, was, I did dancing, I did gymnastics, I did all of that and baton twirling, but I knew this was my area. And she's like, if you're going to do it, let's go. And she took me to practice. And I was the only child from that Girl Scout group, the only child to join the club and the mm -hmm. only black child to join the club at that time. I recently saw a video about a typical workout for the national team. One swimmer interviewed said they spent 12 hours a day training, eight hours of which they treaded water. Is, is this correct? Am I hearing this right? Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> I, 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 you know, every national team has, you know, their training standards. I will say, yes, they do train long hours, but I wouldn't say eight hours of it is just the treading of water. Um, there's a lot of cross-training, right? So you've got um, – they're, they're running, and they're doing flexibility, and they're doing water training. and they're do So I could, I could understand an, an eight-hour day, but I'm not sure all eight of it would be totally in the water because there's so much land work that needs to happen for them to be extremely successful artistic swimmers for the national team. As I mentioned in my introduction, that like most folks who listen to this podcast, I wouldn't be able to name one artistic swimmer, let alone a black one. How was it for you growing up in the sport? Were there any black women that you saw competing that inspired you? I, I came into the sport in around uh, 1996. And when I came into the sport is when I saw the USA win the gold medal in uh, Atlanta. I came into the sport because I saw it very beautiful, very unique, and very different. And I'm a very artistic person. But were there other black women, black people? No. No. Um, you know, looking back as a, as a child, I started, I was around 11, 12 years old, 11. Um, there, there were no other black women or men, just blacks in general for me to look and see, oh, she's doing it. I can do it. For a long time in the whole state of Florida, I was the only black athlete for, you know, for a long time. But I just had so much passion and I was young and I, I didn't, I didn't, how do I say this? I, when I was young, it didn't bother me because I just loved the sport and just, I had fun and I got to be creative and it didn't bother me that I was the only black child. Now looking back as an adult, it, it, it yeah, it wasn't really right. <laughs> and it's sad that, you know, so many people don't realize that we as black people can swim and we, you know, we can be in aquatics. And so, yes, was it, so, yeah, was there anyone that I looked up to? No, I just looked up to 
the only people that I knew were like the Olympic team and the national team people who, um, who were all white. I've had a number of guests on the show that spoke about some very difficult instances of racism in the pool, on the deck, at practices, meets, by parents and officials. With you being one of the only artistic swimmers of color, how was it for you to deal with teammates, coaches, parents, and the like when you were competing? Um, when, when I was competing, um, my, my mom has been fantastic. <laughs> And she's a very quiet woman and she, you know, she was a nurse and, you know, so sometimes she would be sleeping in the parking lot because she was a ICU nurse at night and I would go into the meet. And there have been times where she has come into competitions and she was asked, why are you here? Who are you here for? Now, not, okay, not the team that I was on because the team that I was on, they all knew my mother, but other people, you know, and, and or it, or if we traveled at competitions, sometimes it's like, are you in the right place, ma'am? You know, things like that. And, um, you know, and that's, it's a little weird, <laughs> you know, like anybody, black, purple, green, blue, or brown should be able to just walk into a pool without having to be questioned. And I've seen that. Um, throughout my coaching career, um, there has been issues where, I probably could have advanced a lot further, but unfortunately, there were people that would keep me from advancing, right? So, like, if there was a job opening for a national team spot to be a coach, I was told that I have to apply. Mm -hmm. And there was no application process. Mm -hmm. So, things like that, yeah, there there has been social injustices within the aquatic world. And I'm sure it's just, it's not just an artistic swimming thing. It's just across the board. But yes, I've seen it. I've been through it. And, um, and you know, 20, going into 2021, it can't happen any longer. <laughs> no way. <laughs> you are the vice president of the U.S. Artistic Swim Association's Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Board. USA Swimming's total black membership is only 1.6%. Now, since last summer and the lynching of George Floyd, the NBA, NFL, Major League Baseball, and even USA Swimming have come out in support of black lives. But as we both know, the black community isn't fooled and have heard these words before with no further action. I have a two-part question. First, what are your hopes for the DEI board that you sit on? And secondly, how is change going to be implemented on the local level, in particular for artistic swimming? So the first question I love, because um, when I got into this position as a VP, and, and I am literally the first Black VP of USA Artistic Swimming, and I... I could be wrong, but I'm sure I'm not wrong because <laughs> I don't know any other black person in this sport that has sat as a VP on our board of directors. So that's a, that's a big step forward. And, you know, and our independent directors are black and women to help with the board. And I love the question because I was asked the same thing with USA Artistic Swimming when we had our conventions. And I said, what I want to see is one, first more people of color in leadership roles in our organization. Mm. And 
that has already started from the time I jumped in as VP of DEI for USA Artistic Swimming because we now have, you know, a black VP. We have now people on their local levels and their regional and zone levels who are black women and Hispanic women or men who are now in leadership roles. Um, two, I was clear and said, I want to see a different look for our organization. Being, you know, the things that have changed so far, we now have officially an Athletes with Disabilities program for our organization. Mm-hmm. You know, you, and these are things that are going to really help change the organization because this organization is an all-white organization. And it shouldn't be. You know, it shouldn't be. Um, another thing, I, I want to change the narrative. I don't want to hear any longer that Black people are not in our sport because they can't swim or they can't afford it. Mm. I, I'm a nurse, right? I work with Black doctors every other day. Um, and for me, I don't, we have to change the narrative. And I will change the narrative in, in my sport because we can swim. We can be a part of synchro, but I don't like the, that it is, you know, money is the issue. Yeah, money is the issue for any color of people. Any color of people, money is an issue. So those are, those are some of my goals is, you know, really to change. That's one of the big ones for me is to change the narrative and, and stop this. This is why black people are not in our sport. No. Also, moving forward is a more inclusive environment and a more fair environment. You know, there's, there's just things that I feel in this organization that we can change and we will change and we have to change because we are all on the same playing field. Some people might not think that, but we are. <laughs> we definitely are on the same playing field and we have to be. If I'm you know, a black woman and I love this sport, I should have every single opportunity as the other people in this organization or in this sport, period. So the the other thing that is, is really important for people of color is on a local level, they have to see officials and coaches that look like them. Um, and, and that is something that once I took over DEI of USA Artistic Swimming, that is something that was just, I was very open about is that, you know, we need more judges and officials on a local level that are black, that are brown, that are male, that are you know, LGBTQ. So our athletes see someone like them. And I, and I said it on any podcast I've been interviewed, once we have diversity at the top, everything will fall into place. And it's starting to happen because we do have it at the top right now. More than ever. <laughs> On January 6th of this year, the world watched in shock as a mob of angry Trump supporters stormed our nation's capital killing five people and injuring over 140 Capitol Police, claiming that our recent election was a fraud. 
Among those in the rotunda that day was Cleek Keller, a former multi-medal winning Olympic swimmer. Now, there's been a lot of discussion on social media of those who say he knew what he was doing and we should let justice take its course. However, there are others that say he didn't harm anyone and should be given a second chance. Now, I'm not here to argue his guilt or innocence, but one has to wonder if those were Black Lives protesters and say Reese Whitley, Simone Manuel, or Cullen Jones have been seen on television and social media, what would the response be? Ashley Johnson, your thoughts. Mm. <laughs> um, to, to be honest, um, I'm, I'm disappointed to, to, to know, first of all, what happened at the kettle, I think was totally wrong and inappropriate. Then to take it one step further, an Olympian in, in, in aquatics was a part of that. And I believe with in you know, his jacket, USA uniform, was a part of that. I have a big problem. I have a problem because I, as a black woman, I have to struggle. To, to do what I have to do to stay in line with, with, with rules and follow rules and, and respect the USOPC and the Olympic movement and the movement of Americans in aquatics and in the Olympic eyes, right? And this person can do this at the Capitol, I think, is a slap in the face to everyone who is in the aquatic world you can have your right and your voice and you have the right to agree or disagree with what's going on but you as an olympian you as someone who represents the country as an athlete who has trained and there's so many other athletes who wish to be in your position you use your your status as an olympian to do destruction, I have a problem with that. As an Olympian, I want to see you. I don't care what color you are. You have every voice and every right to stand up and, and speak life, speak positivity, do things that's going to help and move us forward in whatever capacity. But to use, well, no, to not use, you know, your status as a former Olympian, you use it to go and break down the, the capital. Absolutely not. And, and it's sad because I know if it was me and if it was a group of me and everybody who looks like me, a group of black and brown people, our bodies would have been laid out on the, the whole grass of the Capitol. And it's, it's the harsh reality of the world that we live in because, unfortunately, there are two justice systems in this country. And I, I – I can't, like, <laughs> try to sugarcoat it. It's the truth. There's two justice systems in this country. And, and I'm just really upset. I'm, I'm already upset that this is what's happened with the Capitol and, and the people who did this. But I'm even more upset to know that there is an athlete who represented our country in the Olympics with the Olympics uniform on doing this. I think it's totally, totally wrong. This country is deeply divided, as was evident by the recent storming of our nation's capital. 
in light of what recently happened, how has it been for you as a coach when you have to deal with parents of some of your swimmers who might have supported the former president? My current parents that I have on my team, I really love working with them because they allow me to just be me and coach and do what I need to do. You know, and there's there's parents that I've known for years. You know, it's it's one of those things, you know, once the coach, always the coach. But it is very hard to see, um, you know, some some parents who are very strong supporters of that guy, <laughs> who are very strong supporters. And there's just things that, for me, it's hard. It's like some of these kids, I'll, you know, drive them home from practice. I'm not saying current, just overall. Some of these kids I've driven home from practice uh, or, you know, the, the parents will let me stay at their house because I live so far away from the pool or, you know, or, sometimes one of the kids have to hang out with me or, you know, at the hotel because we're waiting for the parents. You know, there's this, a lot of these kids are like my children. And then when you see how some of the parents, you know, will just get on social media and say things, inappropriate things about black people or support, or, you know, say things inappropriate about the LGBTQ community and support what that man believes in. It's, it's, it's really hard for me. It's hard for me, but I still have to smile. I still have to smile. I still have to embrace and welcome the child because the child has nothing to do with it. But it is hard. And, and sometimes people forget that we're human. <laughs> I mean, I, I think sometimes people forget that we are human with feelings and to get on social media and just be talking, blah, 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 blah. But then I have to, you know, give your child a ride to practice or, you know, your child has to come in, you know, sit with me on the side of the pool deck because they're sick. And it's, it's hard. But as black women, we are programmed to just smile and make everything right when it's not right with us. The Tokyo Olympics are fast approaching, and with it, the U.S. will begin their Olympic trials. As a coach, you have been successful in getting several of your young women into the artistic trials. Can you describe the process they have to go through in order to make trials? And secondly, how many of your young women were successful in getting to the U.S. Olympic trials? Sure. So in in my time... um, my career as a coach, I have put 10 athletes from South Florida who are all women of color or, my, or minorities, you know. So 10 girls have gone on to national teams, whether it's 12 and under or the senior. So we have 12 and under, 13, 15, junior, senior. It is a process. It's a long process. Um, and when I say long, I mean like we're preparing a lot of our athletes, including myself and many other coaches, we are preparing our athletes a good year in advance. Um, we find out, okay, September we start the season or, you know, depending on where you live, maybe June or July you start your season. And the first round of trials is like right in January. And it's a, it's a process, you know, it's, 
you know, we start with the, you know, with let's say 100 swimmers, we drop it down to another number, we drop it down to another number, and it's land training, flexibility, how fast you can swim, you know, without breathing, because again, our sport is you breathe for a couple of seconds and you're underwater for another couple of seconds. So how fast you can swim without breathing. Um, it's, it's, it's a process, but it's incredible to see how much these athletes thrive and how much they will fight to have a spot to be a part of the U.S. national team. It, it's, it's a very prestigious title. I mean, <laughs> I no, me personally, I I love coaching more than I swim. But if I was able to have that title, I would <laughs> to be a U.S. national team member. I for sure would. <laughs> but I'm a much better coach than swimmer. Coach Johnson, do you see the sport of swimming being more inclusive in the future? Not in the sense that we have more black and brown faces, but that we have more black and brown faces that have an equal say in how the sport moves forward. If you asked me that question <clears throat> a few years ago, I wouldn't know how to answer, just to be honest. I, if you asked me that question a few years ago, I wouldn't know how to answer because I was at a place where I just felt, oh, my goodness. <laughs> we have so many great things going on for, for black and brown, and but I wouldn't know how to answer. Now... In, in my role, in my position, I see change, and there has to be change because I'm responsible for the change in my, in my organization. I'm responsible for it because I am the VP of DEI. So, um, yes, I, I see change. I see that, you know, we've already started with, you know, being more inclusive. And it's not just the black and the brown. It's athletes with disabilities. It's the LGBTQ. It's it's everyone. Everyone now has an equal say and has to have an equal say because we can no longer silence anybody, whether it's in swimming, diving, water polo, what? We can no longer silence anyone, and we need to be more culturally aware and sensitive. And when I say sensitive, you know, I'm – I'm a person where it's like, hey, we, if we're going to be fair, we have to be fair across the board. You cannot tell someone that you need to apply for a job that doesn't have an application process and you have appointed everyone else. So these are things that we have to, and we will. And the thing is, in my position, I tell everyone I speak to, we, and I say we, not black people, I'm just saying we as an organization, we have to be very uncomfortable to get comfortable. So some of these conversations you might not like, and they may make you feel uncomfortable, but imagine being a black person in a sport that you might have been uncomfortable, you or me have been uncomfortable for years. And now we have to bring this to your attention, and now you have to be uncomfortable for five minutes. So, you know, there's a, there's a lot that we have to do, and we will get it done. We will. But we have to get uncomfortable and be completely transparent and, unfortunately, brutally honest to fix some of these things that are happening in the black community, in the brown community, in the LGBT, 
LGBTQ plus community and everyone else. I want to give you one last opportunity. Any ending thoughts you might have before we conclude, Coach Johnson? <sighs> ending thoughts. It's, first of all, thank you so much for inviting me and, and having an interest in me as a Black woman in artistic swimming. So first, kudos and thank you to you. Um, I'm excited to hear the podcast. And I'm looking forward to all of it and sharing it with everyone. My ending thoughts, my ending thoughts would be this. Regardless of sports, you know, aquatics, Blacks in aquatics is something that it it has a stigma to it. But like I said earlier in some of the questions, we have to be, and when I say we, I'm meaning not Black people, everyone, we have to be uncomfortable to be comfortable. We have to have discussions that maybe some people aren't comfortable about, but guess what? Some of us have been uncomfortable since birth, which is us as black people, have been uncomfortable since birth. And I do think if you're uncomfortable after five minutes, you are probably part of the problem. And we all need to work together for our black and brown and our LGBTQ and we just we cannot be so caught up in what people do in their lives. Because at the end of the day, me or you or anybody else listening to this podcast, you don't lose money, sleep, food, or time worrying about black, brown, LGBTQ. You don't lose anything. So I say embrace people and mind your business. And we can all live happily. <laughs> Our guest today has been Coach Ashley Johnson, head coach of the Aquacades, a nationally ranked artistic swim team based in Coral Springs, Florida. Coach Johnson is the VP of the U.S. Artistic Swim Association's Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Board. As a direct result of her coaching, 10 young women of color have made it to the national team. Coach Ashley Johnson, we wish you and your family health and safety during these difficult times in our country. And thank you again for joining us today on Crossing the Lane Lines. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. I enjoyed every moment of it. (laughs) You've been listening to Crossing the Lane Lines, which is produced by the Black Swim Collective at our studios in San Francisco, California. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe on Spotify, Anchor, or wherever you receive your podcast. From all of us here, we thank you so much for your support. And remember, no lives matter until Black Lives Matter. In San Francisco, this is Najee Ali for Crossing the Lane Lines. Signing off.